took her out. It was a Friday night. I walk alone to get the feeling right. We started making out, and she took off my pants. But then I turned on the TV, and that's about the time she walked away from me. Nobody likes you when you're 23. Ooh, welcome back, Jeeves with the struggle crack. Beards watch. Beach Watch Podcast, episode 218. Charge number one podcast recorded in the basement. Still hitting via Zoom to try to get anybody and everybody that would never really be able to visit on a Tuesday night here in Charlotte in the basement. So, yes, it's me, Jero Nation. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jero Nation. Facebook, the Beards Watch Podcast. YouTube, they see me rolling with our Panthers reaction videos, our Beerio carts, our brewery reviews, all that good stuff. Finally, uh, we just hit 500 subscribers, so little by little, we'll see if we can get up there and maybe make some some small change off the side of, of us, just our despair of the Panthers being bad. And then, of course, you can find our uh, our podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes at the Beards Watch Podcast, so subscribe, like, all that good stuff, and then, you know, if you're really feeling frisky, go buy a shirt. They're all on Teespring. Get that going. We'll put some long sleeves and some hoodies out since it, it seems to be... It's like we're in that fake fall down here in North Carolina right now where it was cold a couple weeks. Now it kind of shot up to 80s, so you thought you could wear all the hoodies every day, but hopefully a cold front just came in, but I don't know. It's still like fake fall. So, but Duvall, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. As you know, this is week two of me being in my house with a hoodie on, so you know I'm in full <laughs> fall mode. And uh, as somebody that went running, what, about, about a couple of hours ago before it got dark, I went out with the intention of just having on shorts and a long sleeve shirt, but I was like, ooh, it's a little chill. Let me go ahead and throw this hoodie on. Right. But, uh, but if you're looking for me, uh, Rod versus Duval on Twitter, just Duval on Instagram. All right. Dwayne Jarrett and Julius Peppers jerseys behind him. Jeeves, man. What's up? <laughs> oh, man. Just working. Changing some things up at work. That's why I didn't get to your house yesterday until, like, I think it was like 7.15, 7.20. Yeah. Pick up the food and all my stuff, but... Um, if you're looking for me, Jeeves1988 on Instagram and Twitter. All right. And then our guest for this evening, for this week's episode, high school friend. And then he went to UNC Chapel Hill, hung out every now and then when we could. Now he's up in Chicago doing his doctrine thing. So I figured, again, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, now's a good time with all this corona going on to, to get people on who – wouldn't be able to join on a, on a random Tuesday night, so why not do it? Alex, man, how you doing? Good, brothers. Thanks for having me, man. No problem. I know I I think the last time I'd actually texted you, you it, it may have been when you were in town, and then, like I said, I know it's so hard for you to be back in Charlotte because explain what you're doing up in Chicago. Living the doctor life, like you said, man. Um, I've been here for two and a half years now. I'm a surgery resident uh, at Rush University Hospital in Cook County uh, Hospital, which is one of the more notorious trauma areas in the country. Um, And just living that surgery resident life. So So for the people who have no idea kind of who you are, you went to Chapel Hill. Did you major? Was it biology? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sort of on the back end. Uh, It took me like a very long time to get there. I was confused. I didn't have a good GPA for a while. Uh, (laughs) After that, Uh, and then I finally turned the corner and made it back here to to Chicago. Okay, so you're at Chapel Hill. You got your undergrad, and then did you go? You went to what VCU for your 
Virginia, yeah, yeah, okay. Not the smart. Nice. So you were there, and then was that where you finally realized what you exactly wanted to do? So by that point, I was, like, well on the medicine path. Okay. It was, like, year of college. I was, I was, first two years of college, I was partying hard, <laughs> as, like, a lot of people do. I was, <laughs> I, was, I was in a frat. I had all these friends that were, like, business school majors that were, like, yeah, you don't have to go to class to get A's, and I believed them, because they were older. <laughs> and then, uh, junior year, I, like, worked in a hospital as a, as a side job or something like that, and, um, my parents are both doctors, and to be honest, I was kind of trying to avoid their career path, and then I realized that probably this was the right thing for me to do. It was the best fit for me, and then I had to spend, like, the next four years working on getting my, like, application together for med school. Yeah. And then, finally, in 2014, yeah, but yeah, 2014, I got into med school at BCU. Okay. Yeah, I remember going over to your house and your dad, he went to university of Wisconsin, right? Undergrad. yeah. Undergrad. And I remember you telling me a story about, I think we were over there one Saturday when college football was on and you told me how you were like, now don't, you know, don't be surprised that the Wisconsin games on, like my dad's going to be like, just screaming fuck the whole time. If they're, if they're doing that, like, and you told me one time about a Ron Dane's fumble or something in a big game and he, like, went berserk, and he still never forgave Ron Dane for that. Yeah, I have friends that won't come over or didn't come over after seeing my dad watch the Wisconsin games because he was – he actually doesn't watch them anymore, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Such bad luck for the team that he doesn't even turn the game on. Uh, and, like, I honestly thought it was bullshit, and now I'm kind of starting to believe it, too. Yeah. So he's gotten to the point to where he's like, you know what? I'd rather just see the final score because I don't want to be stressed out about it. Exactly, because – if they lose and he didn't watch it, then it wasn't his fault. Fair enough. Okay. So he's a, he's a man of superstition, so I get that. Yeah. <laughs> I, as, as somebody that is big on superstition too, and Jacob knows about certain foods you eat and certain spots you sit in during the game, the way you use your yeah. hat. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm with him on that. Do what? My biggest superstition. Yeah. Um, I think I think I had like this big thing in 2015 when we went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, like, and this was I, I went me and my dad because we go walking and jogging every morning before the game. Uh, we went the same route, same way. I would, when I would leave, I would go home, shower. I would order the same amount of wings, the same thing every time. And I brought him by Jacob's house every single <laughs> every single Sunday. I yeah. sat in the same seat. And it was just like that. And to this day now, I'm the same way. I'll, whatever they want, us, want me to bring, I'll bring. But, like, as you know, like, I get picked on a lot because <laughs> when people watch the reaction video, because I, I tend to, like, I don't move. Like, if we're having, like, a good quarter, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't move. Like, I keep my plate in the same spot. I don't touch the phone. That's part of the routine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a. We actually just had the first one we did the Panthers Raider reaction video, and it got a lot of hits because the Raiders won. And I guess I uploaded it late at night, so the West Coast was still kind of partying. And someone someone did comment on it, and it was like, "Yo, my man on the edge of the couch, he he had the same plate. He held the plate for the whole first quarter, like he didn't like all the plays that happened. And the like Duval finished his chicken wings." And whatever else scraps left, so the bones or maybe like a pizza. Yeah, it's, all, it's just all sitting on the plates. So he's just sitting there on the edge of the couch waiting. And then finally, 
once it hits halftime, he'll go and throw the plate away or whatever it may yeah. be. I mean, it's it's funny because people will pick up on some of that stuff. And same thing, you know, to reiterate what Duval said, for the longest time after 2015, he would still bring over the same flavor of wings for like two or three years. And we were finally like, all right, Duval, like, We've been losing, so it's time to switch it up, man. We gotta try different flavors. So he did some different flavors and all that stuff. Oh, man, superstition comes and goes. It's like you can have ebbs and flows with it, and it's not just like whether or not. It's like sometimes the superstition's working, sometimes it's not. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you, how did so you you got to VCU when when you're choosing like a medical school or when go to medical school? Is it kind of like you throw your ring in a well, bunch of places? Say what? Whoever lets you in. Really? That's how you do it? Okay. Honestly, med school is like, med school is way more competitive than anything after that. Okay. Because like, you just got to get in that door. So it's like, I just like took every opportunity I could get. I did a couple postbacks. I was like knocking on every door. And then I, I, at the end, I was like, I don't, you know, I don't give a shit where I go. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, it could be in the Caribbean. But, yeah. like, you got to take whatever opportunity you got. And so that's kind of how the med school thing works. Residency is way different. Okay. So getting to med school, then you get into residency, that's where you kind of start figuring out and picking exactly what you, you think you want to do? Yeah, exactly. So residency is, like, broad specialties. So when you leave fourth year med school, you're trained to be, like, a general doctor. Just a broad doctor, but you're not trained to be – like, even you're not trained to be a family medicine doctor, you're not trained to be an internal medicine doctor, you're not trained to do any of those things. You just have the base knowledge. So you apply to a residency in family medicine, OB-GYN, surgery, which is what I'm doing, um, orthopedics, things like that. And then that process of getting into a residency involves interviewing a bunch of places, you rank them all, and they rank you, and then in one day, a computer... Actually, in like one minute, the computer runs an algorithm where it matches everybody in the country to one place. And uh, so you get a letter that's like, this is where you're going. Wow. And that's like a big day. It's just like, it's exactly like the sorority match in college. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Where you see like girls laughing in groups and then girls crying in groups. That's the same. It's it's actually the same algorithm. It's the same thing. (laughs) All right. So you got that. So basically it matched you up from VCU up to where you are now, correct? Rush, yeah, Chicago, yeah. Okay, so what – now, when you say surgery, what – is there a specific, you know, are you going heart? Are you going – because was it – was your dad a heart or a brain surgeon? He was not a surgeon. He was not he a was surgeon. A, he was a uh, – he's a heart doctor. So heart, that was it. Okay, cardio, that was it. Okay. He did electrophysiology, which is like electrics of the heart. Okay. You proceed, but it's not what you consider a surgeon. Okay. Uh but surgery, I'm doing general surgery, so there are like some types of surgery. It gets really complicated, but yeah. uh, general surgery has a broad umbrella of surgery. It basically involves a lot of things in the abdomen and a lot of things like that are on the skin and soft tissue um, and your blood vessels. Okay. So uh, from that, you can end up going in to do a bunch of different other things, which involves a fellowship, which is like a one or two year thing where you specialize in further stuff, but General surgery basically gives you a door to do a lot of things in surgery. What do you so, know? So, oh, go ahead, Duval. So I was going to say, so so along with that, since you said it's general surgery, so could yeah. you do like surgery on like an ACL or something like that because it's general, or is it? Or would you be more specific to like you said, the skin, whether it's yeah. moving or 
So the only things that really aren't covered by general surgery as far as surgery goes are neurosurgery. So that's a separate sort of like residency. Orthopedics, which is where you get your ACL repair, anything that's bone or uh, joint related. Um, and then, uh, what else would be outside of, oh, like urology, being a dick doctor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> a separate thing. Yeah. But pretty much everything else uh, is general surgery, at least somehow related. You do general surgery training to get there. So, like, if you end up needing a liver transplant, that person would be a transplant surgeon, but they got general surgery training, okay. et cetera. Do you, do you know what you want to do? Like, do you want to be transplant livers? Do you want to be, you know, Hell no? no? <laughs> <laughs> That's a miserable lifestyle, man. Yeah. It's awful. It's awful. Up all, like, you, you know, your 20-hour surgeries, things like that, yeah. not for me. Uh, I want to do bariatric surgery, just weight loss surgery. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. What? Go ahead. Yeah. What brought you to that? Well, yeah. I hated everything else, basically. <laughs> uh, it's true. It's like, so it's it's nice because it's weight loss surgeries take like two hours. You basically can make somebody lose 70% of their excess body weight in uh, about a year. Uh, you cure diabetes overnight. So people have to stop taking insulin shots. And you just make their quality of life so much better. And it's totally elective. So I never have to wake up in the middle of the night and do a surgery, which is not some shit I want to do until I'm 70. There you go. Yeah, that's that's a fair breakdown there. So yeah, yeah. I mean, so eventually you could get your reality show like my man, Extreme Weight Loss. Where he, you know what my favorite one is? is yeah. What's the guy? Uh, my six hundred pound life. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Yeah, the man who had a huge great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He's got all these gold chains on, and he'll always be like, "You've been eating sweets, I can tell. Don't lie to me." So what's yeah? So what's your process now? What's your next steps in getting to where you want to be? General surgery is a five-year residency. I'm in my third year. Yeah. Uh, so I have about two and a half years left, and then I'll do another match thing, same bullshit, where you apply to a bunch of places and a computer algorithm matches you into the fellowship for bariatrics, which is one year long. And then I'll be done. So and you, then I'll, yeah, I'll be, you know. So by the time you really get kicking on exactly what you want to do, you're about 35, 36? Yeah, that's right. Wow. That's a that's a I mean, I can start making money too. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. So right now are you right now are you just basically paying off student loans, right? Like I was fortunate in that um, I don't have a lot of student loans. Okay. But the majority of people like the average person that comes out of med school has two hundred thousand dollars in debt. Yeah. And for the most part, um, the amount of money you earn as a resident only allows you to kind of pay off the interest. So you're basically not paying it off. Yeah. And it's a 35. Yeah. And so, yeah, you do make a substantial amount of money as a doctor. You have a comfortable living, and I won't ever argue against that. But uh, <laughs> there is a there is a hidden cost Yeah. Uh, uh, that you have to pay off about a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So do you know where you would want – like would you open your own – Practice, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Is that, so is that the is that the goal by thirty seven, thirty eight? Have your own practice of weight loss 
surgeries? Actually, I probably would join a practice. It's pretty hard to be uh, uh, an independent like surgeon these days because okay. hospitals, the way they work these days is uh, hospital administrators and hospitals have created a monopoly sort of on healthcare. Yeah. And it's hard to buy resources for yourself to function independently. Like if you were on your own, where are you going to get the CT scan? Yeah. You know, where are you going to get uh, the money for an OR? Where are you going to pay staff? And it's like the hospital has all that. So you kind of buy into a practice. Okay. Um, which, the shitty part about that is you basically lose all your autonomy and you still have a boss. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Where, where in the U.S. Um, do does your surgery or your next school at, uh, is at? Like all yeah. over? It could be wherever I want, you know, or wherever they'll take me. I guess. Yeah. Better phrase that, but uh, yeah, there's programs for it all over the country, so uh, there's a lot of different options. I'm kind of thinking long term about either going out west or heading back to the southeast. Yeah, uh, I mean, you got a lot of clientele in the southeast, man. The, 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 I mean, the southern, the southern cooking, the sweet tea. I mean, <laughs> boys, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's yeah, there's plenty of clientele. Plus, I honestly just miss, miss North Carolina. Yeah, well, that was a funny thing I, I, you said when, you, when we first got on before we started recording. How you know you were like, oh, I hadn't heard a southern accent in so long, and that's you know being in Chicago, I guess. There's not a lot of, you know, we stopped, again, on that trip I was telling you, I think I was telling you about last year, we stopped in Indianapolis, but we did go through Chicago on our way up and back and stopped in to get some deep dish pizza or whatever. And it's a different little atmosphere up there. It wasn't summertime, so it wasn't cold, but that's just a whole, like, it makes, it feels like when you go to Uptown Charlotte, like, that's just a little video city. And then you see Chicago and you're like, holy moly, like, this is huge. Yeah. It's crazy how I even forgot that because, like I said, I was just in Indianapolis and like uh, I was—I mean, I know things are quieter with COVID. Yeah. But uh, I was down there. I was like, dude, this place is fucking dead. Like, there's nobody here, and that's just because I'm so used to being surrounded by people all the time. Yeah. And I honestly don't want to be surrounded by people all the time. I feel uh, you. I'm just kind of used to it now. You know. So outside of your your work life, well, actually, before we get into that, what maybe what's What's like the coolest or most interesting thing you've done via in part of a surgery, you know, going through med school and all this stuff? Like, you know, did you save somebody's life? Did someone's car accident come through? You said you're working right now at a spot that's pretty, you know, pretty tough or, you know, gunshot wounds and all that kind of stuff. Like, how are those are those like how, how do you how do you compartmentalize some of that too? you know, dealing with the possibly constant death and all that all that stuff? Heavy hitters, bro. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's a good question, man. Um, there are a couple questions there. Let me think about. Uh, I'll go with the first one. Like, I, I guess the they're tied though, because the coolest part is the most rewarding part, which is like what you think you're doing when you go into med school, which is saving somebody's life, or that you're gonna like have an impact on their life. Which yeah. Sometimes you do. A lot of days you don't. It's like you know when we take out somebody's gallbladder, it's like. Yeah, you made their life a little bit better, but like saving a life thing, <laughs> I didn't get you. Know? Yeah. <laughs> people, people, people will like, but people will put that on you. They'll be like, uh, "Thank you so much," you know. Like, uh, they'll try to call you like an instrument of God or something like that. And you're like, "No, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not that." So, uh, um, but like, there are cool. I mean, I've definitely done trauma 
trauma. I've had gunshot wounds. I've had people that have like 12 gunshot wounds and they're very much on the borderline of life or death and you act quickly and you act quickly with like a team and then you get them out of it. And it's not, a, I mean, it's not like a, oh, you had surgery and you're better now. It's like a long road after that, you know, two to three weeks or two to three months, lifelong disability sometimes, but uh, that is really cool when like you take somebody who's 18, a lot of times gunshot wounds, they were standing on a street corner minding their own business. They got shot like 10 times and they were almost not going to make it. And then we're able to save them. Um, and that's, that's really a cool feeling, especially like that's when you, I think you get a lot of, uh, cause then the family wasn't, nobody was expecting it. So the family is very grateful. The patient's very grateful. And it's not all about like people being grateful. It's just everybody I think realizes what could have been lost. Whereas when you have somebody that has like very advanced cancer, not to diminish the severity of that or the importance of that, but people also kind of know in their head, like they might not make it, this could not work out and people are more uh, ready for that. So if it doesn't work out, it's of course sad and terrible, but you don't, it just, that, that feeling in trauma is cool when you're like, we saved somebody. So, yeah. Yeah. It's probably the coolest thing I've done. Nice. One time I carried somebody that got gun. This is, and I was in med school. I just had to be outside the hospital and I saw this guy falling in the street and he had like several gunshot wounds. And me and some other people like carried him to the hospital, which was like kind of a wild experience. Wow. Uh, yeah, that felt like a, you know, that was a big thing. Yeah, that's, I mean, did is that what, what, you know, what's the difference when you see a show like, have you ever seen that show Chicago Med or whatever? Filmed in my hospital. Okay, so I was actually, I'm glad I brought this up because you were talking about it. So that is, so what are, what are those days like then when they're filming while y'all are also trying to get your job done? Is there a separate, <laughs> like, is there a separate setup, like, set for them so they're not necessarily in your way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a couple hallways where, like, they'll block it off and uh, there's lots of signs that are, like, Chicago Med Crew this way. And they're hallways that aren't used very often, so, like, and they actually have a lot of windows, so you can, like, kind of see them filming. I've tried to, like, you know, sidle my way. Into Absolutely. Right in the background. <laughs> uh, failed so far. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah it, that's cool. Some, sometimes it's, like, kind of disruptive, but they don't film at hours when we're, like, in the hustle and bustle thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So so I was going to ask, so, so now that you, you mentioned that, yeah. it, it, as you being someone in, in the heart of the industry, uh, as a doctor, how do you look at shows like that now? Do you look at them and you're like critiquing them, or you're like, oh, that shit's not real? Or like, <laughs> how do you look at that? It makes it kind of hard to enjoy them, I'll be honest, because yeah. it's like oh, the, right. you're just, there's so many things that are like impractical. And honestly, I don't watch that any of them just because I they kind of drive me nuts. I do love House. Yeah. Uh, uh, even though it's like ridiculous that every episode he like breaks into someone else's house to try to diagnose them. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, what else? Uh, I like Scrubs, but yeah, the, I do get the one that I always get questions about. It's like Grey's Anatomy. Uh, people always ask me if my life is like that, and no, because it's like they're always like, oh, people like hooking up in the call rooms and stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> Are you a sports fan and wondering why guys like LeBron James and Dwayne Wade are drinking wine rather than the bush light you might be drinking right now? What if I told you I'd be willing to give you $50 in free wine to find out? 
High quality wine is both enjoyable and easier on your body. So if you've been thinking about trying some good quality wine, but you're not really sure where to start, you're stuck in the house and looking for some entertainment, or you're already a wino and looking to try something new, I've got a great idea for you. Scout Circle allows you to have a variety of wines that are cleanly crafted and handpicked by a level 3 sommelier automatically shipped to your doorstep at your desired frequency. All the wine inside will be in, will be free of any chemicals or added sugar that you'll see in most wines in the store, and they'll have the lowest possible amount of sulfites included. So you can forget about the beer bloat while you're drinking or the headache the next day that won't come with the highest quality of wine out there. And each box comes with fun facts to teach you about the wine that you're drinking and, you'll, and about the small vineyard that you're helping to support. Plus, if you're still hesitant, all the wine in your box will come with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you're unsatisfied with a bottle for any reason, just let me know and I'll replace it for you with the same one or any other wine on my site at equal or lesser value. To sign up, just head to my Instagram at wineunderthebridge and click the link in my bio. If you have any questions when you get there, just send me a DM. I'll be happy to help. New members that sign up for this program before the end of May will receive $50 in free wine credits when they receive their third shipment to use on any additional bottles that you left. So head over to at wineunderthebridge on Instagram and eliminate the guesswork while trying something new and fun with your family or friends. A glass of wine a day will keep your beer good away. Cheers! Everyone in medicine is ugly as shit. Everybody's too tired to be hooking up in a car room. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, I don't know how many parallels there are between those shows in real life, but, you know, I don't know. I'm sure that there's some things that are, like, true about them. So, so how, speaking of this, as Duval's talking, like, how is, how was your romance or love life then with how many hours you had to put into time what was it like socially outside not even necessarily love life but social life yeah. outside of you know med school and i know yeah. what aren't your shifts usually like 12 hours or so or i usually work 12 hours a day we don't really do shifts but okay. yeah, I actually kind of work about 12 hours a day i worked about 80 hours a week on average uh, we usually do 12 hours Monday through Friday, and then every other weekend you have a 30-hour call, which is like 30 hours in-house. Brutal. Phew. Um, yeah, it sucks. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, like, waxes and wanes. I was – when I first got to Chicago, I was, like – I don't know. I think I was in a new city. I didn't know a lot of people, and I was, like, I'm going to go hard on the dating apps. And I was, like, such a disaster, man. It was, like, <laughs> every other weekend. Every, actually, like, three times a week sometimes. Um, going on dates and stuff like that, but you know, I ended up finding a nice lady nice. this year. I actually mean, was dating another girl for a while back earlier, but yeah, um, kind of settled down recently. So nice, but it's wh- hard. I mean, like you gotta. Yeah, I hang out with a lot of doctors, honestly, because it's been it's hard to find like a social circle outside of medicine when you spend most of your time in the hospital. Yeah, um, which is fine. Like those, they're good people for the most part. Um, but you know. It's hard to find out. They're kind of nerdy, too. So it's hard to find people just to rip beers and maybe if you need to have a long day, rip a cigarette or two or something? Or... The peers, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dude, we, so one thing that is a lot of fun that I'll tell you about is probably, I don't know. So uh, we, 
every Friday, there's, so there's a thing that we do called Night Club, which is for like a month and a half, you're on, you're on every night. And what that prevents is you ever having to take calls during the week because somebody else at a different point in the year is on all night, if that makes sense. For like a month and a half, you'll be on all night, and then later on it'll be somebody else, but that prevents you from having to be on. Yeah. But uh, regardless, every Friday, that's when your weekend starts when you work the night shift. You get off Friday morning, and then you come back in Sunday for work. So Friday morning at 6 is when night float ends. And so we'll go out to like a bar in Chicago at 6 a.m. Yeah. And there are some fucking ass people there. Because it's like the locals are actually out drinking at like 6 a.m. And they didn't just come off night float. And so you'll be like, I mean, I've been at like this place called Richard's, which definitely is a front for the mafia. And there's like (laughs) some guy in the corner bar that's like, I'll pay you $20 if you put Celine Dion on the nuke box. And you're like, no, 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 no. So that it's interesting because I, I remember there was a show because uh, my wife's big into watching like we watch all the Chicago's the PD the Med yeah. and all that stuff but there was one called Night Shift and they always had a when they they it was just specifically the night shift workers and they would get off they would go to like the rooftop and they had like a little yeah, yeah. La- a little lounge up there per se where yeah. they could ha- you know just kind of cut loose and, and unwind and stuff so. Is that something that at some places they may actually have that? Just depends on where you're at kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, they have, like, that's the cool thing about being in a city of this size is that anything you want at any point is there. It's not like New York where it's up all night, yeah, open all the time, but, like, if you go looking, you'll find, like, a bar open at 6 a.m. Yeah. You know, and with people in it. Yeah. So I can't even imagine a bar being open at 6 a.m. Like, I, I mean, you know. We're in the south, Duval. We're in the south, man. Oh, that's the other thing is this bar I was talking about, they sell cigarettes behind the counter, and the only thing they have on the menu is deviled eggs. So we're not talking about, like, a glamorous bar here. (laughs) Actually, I said deviled eggs. I meant hard-boiled eggs. Wow. You get two hard-boiled eggs, a beer, and a couple cigarettes, and you're like, that's a Baltimore. So yeah, so they're basically just open for like the alcoholics and you, like the drug, like you guys. Yeah, the alcoholics and the doctors. Exactly. That they, they just know they know. Like you said, you sell them a, a tall boy and some some eggs just for some protein and and a cigarette in case you just need to cut the edge off and you're good to go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They got it. They're selling that small food item to, to fit under some kind of cat tax code or something somewhere so they could be open at six a.m. for yeah. breakfast. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so. You know, since you are in this field and we've had COVID going on for, it feels like, forever now, what has been your impact and what have you seen from your your side of the bar? I mean, I know you're not necessarily – I mean, are you on the front lines or were, did they call you to it? Like, how did it – how did you kind of get involved or were you involved? Uh, early on, Chicago was bad, you know. Um, COVID's hit a lot of the areas that are impoverished the most. And Chicago's west and southern suburbs are – pretty bad uh or at least they're like socioeconomically disadvantaged and uh so we had a high case volume there was a period where we were surging like we were outside our case our ability as a hospital to handle it we had a great protocol in place so they like opened makeshift icus like in the normally in the area where you'd be waiting after surgery they like opened them up they brought in anesthesia machines Uh, they put us on like an emergency call schedule and I just got told one night, like, you're coming off your shift and you're going to go staff the COVID ICU. And uh, 
it was pretty actually scared at that time because like we didn't know anything about it yeah and we didn't know what made you at risk and what was going to make you sick and what was going to make you die or live and so I was like freaking out <laughs> I was like I'm not fucking walking in there without three masks <laughs> but you know things have changed it's still I mean it's very real it's very dangerous I've seen a lot of people they get it's crazy I won't get into like the medical parts of it but it's crazy how fast these people go down though when they get sick and usually like the news says it's usually like older people with a lot of comorbidities and stuff like that they're not healthy uh, but yeah it's been one thing that's wild is um, uh, it's been crazy to be like on the front lines and see people that are really sick and then hear like oh it's a hoax or yeah. uh, it's a conspiracy and like I mean I see it here all, all the time it's like before surgery now we test everybody we'll call them we'll say you have to get a COVID test and people will say things like I'm not getting a COVID test because you guys are putting COVID in the test and that's how you're spreading it. <laughs> and it's like, how fucking stupid must you be? But uh, you can't say that. So. Yeah. <laughs> so what, it's, would, uh, what would be your kind of like, you know, advice for people? Because I feel like people now are getting it, as they call it, like uh, – what you call it, fatigue, like uh, cooped up syndrome, fatigue of being inside where it seems like people are starting to slowly like take a little more risks. You know, we're here in North Carolina, we we seem to be going up by the halves or the thirds every time. We're at 2.5 now, which that means 50 people you can have at a brewery or an outing. But now the Panthers, I think in October, they're able to have like 5,000, 7,000 people, whatever. What, I mean, is it wear masks, clean stuff, and put your, you know – Hand sanitizer on, or should yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, to some degree, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's a lot of the same things that like the CDC's been saying. Yeah, uh, you know, like it's all the evidence is suggested it's spread by droplets. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if you wear a mask, it's not aerosolized. Aerosolized are the tiny little particles that a mask will not filter. Okay. Right? Droplets are the big particles that a mask will protect you from. So it's like. Wear your mask, you know? You just got to assume that people around you are going to be uh, potentially exposing you to it and just be smart about it. It's like, I I wear my mask everywhere I go. Even if, like, even if, like that's a rule in Chicago, but even still, I would do it. I wouldn't yeah. wear it down here. I wouldn't wear it down here. I swear on my face because people say that bullshit. Like, I can't breathe with it. And it's like, dude, I operate for 14 hours a day. I Trust me, fucking breathe with it. Yeah. Right? And if you can't, Breathe with it. Imagine how well you're going to breathe with COVID, which is a record. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. I there's no right answer, but I think it is smart to minimize the size of your groups. I think it's good to wear a mask in public. I try not to like touch every surface. Yeah. I just it's not like I, I don't wear gloves. I don't like avoid touching things, but I'm just like try not to like you know hold on to every railing. Uh, that's kind of how I live my life. I do think that there's a balance. It's like the, the problem is that you get advice from experts in different areas and none of them give a shit about the other area. <laughs> it's sure. Like, it's like the CDC, all they would, they would keep us inside forever. Yes. Because yes. all they care about is spread of disease. Yes. Yeah. Talk to like the financiers and the economists, they would open up everything because all yep. they give a shit about is the economy. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so you got to kind of meld the, the, a few of them. But, 
that's my yes yeah. that, that's that's where I kind of feel like you know in, in my where I'm at I mean even having you know we sent our kid back to preschool two days a week even though it was class only eight yeah. kids but at some point without sounding insensitive you kind of have to move on not it move just keep somewhat of a regular life you know what I mean like you said wash your hands put your mask on the mask to never I think of it as just I actually kind of like the mask life because it protects me from other people because we all, like I said, we grew up, I said it last week on the podcast, we grew up with people, you know, where it was like an essence of you can never miss a day of work if you're sick, don't take a sick day and all this stuff. And a guy I work with right next door to me, he was always getting sick. And I felt like every year I caught the cold from him because I'm touching the same things he did. And he's always showing up, just hacking it up. So now it's like, okay, wear a mask, keep it, keep it moving. And, you know, who knows what will happen. But it's one of those, because to me, you just keep staying inside. I feel like that's messing with your mental more than anything. You know, you got to have some human interaction. And I agree with human interaction. I, I mean, I don't, this may be controversial, but like, I do think that people that are having like weddings that are fifty plus people right now, I'm like, I know you want to get married, just like get married, but don't have a giant celebration till later. Because like, it's what. Imagine if you are remember that wedding in Maine where like 130 people got infected and two people died. Yeah. What if that was your wedding? Like, all of a sudden, the day that's supposed to be the best day of your life is now the worst day of your life? It's like, yeah. don't that. Just have a courthouse wedding and have a celebration in a year. And I know that that's, like, frustrating to wait for, but, like, come on. Yeah. We're living in the age these days. Yeah. At least that's my two cents. On I know. I feel you. And that's a, that's a, it's a spot where people got to pick and choose and see where you're at, throw your mask on. If, if you feel comfortable, you feel comfortable. But, yeah. And that, but that takes a lot of, I think like you said, it takes a lot of like, not necessarily guts, but gumption to finally just be like, all right, let's just go get married at the courthouse and we'll wait till May. Or you just push it back to see what happens, you know, so. That's the final watch too. I mean, everybody has their own circumstances. Things in, I'm in a, I'm in one of the worst parts of the country when this, when it comes to this disease. So I'm speaking from that perspective. Yeah. Like I was recently out in Colorado actually, and it's like, I was out in like the wilderness and I was like well yeah I mean if nobody here wants to wear a mask I fucking get it cause like, <laughs> like 10 cases a year here or whatever the rate is yeah. and uh, nobody's gonna get it so that I understand but if you're living in like a relatively populated area yeah did you what, so it, did you guys get cause I heard from somebody too like at the very beginning, were you guys bombarded, or did it take a little bit of while for people to start showing up to the hospital yeah, with it? it was not immediate. Yeah. It, like, you saw it bad in California, and New York was bad, and then our peak was, like, a little bit after New York. So, yeah, it, it was out there before it got back here. Gotcha. Gotcha. For sure. Yeah. All right, so wear your yeah, mask, sanitize up. Go ahead, Duvall. And I guess from a doctor's perspective, how long do you think we'll still be kind of sitting in, you know, in this this situation? I mean, yeah. And, and I mean, you know, is is it, are you thinking six months, a year, three months? You know, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that um, I'm optimistic that we'll have a vaccine uh, that has at least some degree of efficacy within like six months to a year and it's like even if it just partially works if we can get enough people with partial immunity 
And then you also have the people that have had the disease that should hopefully be immune, even though we don't fully know that. It's like, hopefully then you start to develop that concept of herd immunity, where you have enough people that have immunity that it's not jumping from place to place to place. It's like, say it has to jump further to infect somebody. So I'm hoping that like within a year, we'll be back to a much more normal way of life. But I'm kind of a pessimist at baseline. So honestly, I don't think that the life that we had before, we're going to go back to for a much longer period of time. I mean, yeah. before we see like open air concerts and full, full like football stadiums, I think it's going to be like five years. Wow. But wow. that's my pessimistic view. Yeah. But I, but I mean, I think, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting, obviously, when it comes flu season here in the next couple months, it gets cold again and people are out and about, how that's going to mix again and if everything shoots back up or do what the – go ahead. I think that we will see a spike, but I don't think it's going to to be because there are more cases. I think it's going to be because a bunch of people get a cough and a cold that weren't having symptoms just because it's flu season and like the cold season. They go in and get tested because they're like, oh, it might be COVID. And then they actually, some of them do have to be positive. Yeah. So I think you're going to have a lot more people getting tested. Well, I think that's the wildest thing to me is I've known some people who've had it and all they got. And now, mind you, they were in the ranges of 25 to 30. And all they yeah. really got was a scratchy throat and a little bit of a cough. And they were, they were good after one yeah. week. And they were moved, yeah. but then, you know, like you said, then you come across, you just, didn't I just see a case today where a kid at App State who was 19 and relatively healthy, he died. So that to me is the wildest part of this whole thing is just like, and again, the news since, you know, props those 19-year-olds up like, look how terrible it is. Be scared. Stay inside your hermit hole your whole life. Don't go out. And yeah. it's, it's that weird, you know, what the hell do I do kind of scenario. Yeah. I mean – Bad stuff happens to people all the time. Yes. And, yeah. and now they're hiding that with the case of COVID. And I don't want to minimize it because yeah. it is real and it is like scary. But at the same time, it's like there are also 19 year olds that die of the flu. But we yeah. don't talk about that yeah. often. They're 19 year olds get hit by cars. So we don't talk about yeah. that often. Yeah. Still go out and drive your car. So just take it seriously, but also it's a balance. Yes. Yes. All right. So let's get to some more fun, yeah, more yeah, more fun stuff than than all the COVID downer stuff. So what outside of if you do have like we were kind of touching on a little bit of social life, you dating and everything like that. Is there anything you do for fun outside? You said you went to Colorado. Like do you? And then what what does your time off look like? Do you do you bill up hours and then all of a sudden you're like, hey, I'm gonna take two weeks off, or does it? Do they incorporate that kind of into it? How does that work? Yeah, four weeks off a year. Okay. It's pretty nice, actually. Yeah. Uh, but you have to we schedule it a year in advance. Oh wow. So I have to I have to plan my vacations out a year ahead of time, which is like kind of shitty. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. I mean, I try to travel even though now we can't. I did go to Colorado, which was sick. Um, went hiking in Rocky Mountain National Park. Uh, did some hiking and like glamping actually outside of Vail, which is dope. Nice. Uh, and then, you know, I don't know. I spend a lot of time with my friends. I try to, there's a driving range here during the summer. There's like, you have the beach here in Chicago. Um, try to do the rooftops and things like that. And then lately, I've been trying to keep up with sports, but I'm doing my job. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
atrocious. So how have you been able to watch any Panthers games, or are you or are you working? No, no. It's not, it doesn't really have to do with working. It's that they made it impossible when you're like outside of the region to watch games. Okay. Because you have to have Sunday ticket. Yeah. Like you can't for some reason you can't buy individual games. Yeah. So unless you go to a bar, which now like bars are kind of hard to get access to, <laughs> uh, it's pretty hard to watch the game. So I've seen a lot of highlights. I tried to keep up with like the news about it, but I haven't actually seen like a full game, which is killing. Yeah. Yeah. So what have, if, in your highlights, what have you thought of the Panther season so far? Well, I think Jeremy Chen's beast. That, that's about all we got on defense right well, now. That's always pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, Robbie Anderson, I love Robbie Anderson. Like, what's that bear doing? That oh, fantastic. I, uh, I love Robbie Anderson. Um, I don't know, man. It's been hard to like get a great sense of what they are as a team. And it seems like the defense finally came together in week three, uh, which seems like they've been struggling beforehand. I like all the pieces that we have on defense, but it's like they haven't really put it together. Uh, but I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's really weird to be like a fan of the Panthers when they're entering a new era. You know, it's like Matt Rule, Teddy Bridgewater, Bobby yeah. Anderson, all these guys, and to have not actually seen them play. You know. Yeah. That's very weird. I've only seen the highlights. And so it's hard for me to get a sense of like the nature of the team, what they're doing. But um, I don't know. I I like it Matt Rule as a person. Uh, so at least like the way the way he represents himself. I'm optimistic for where we're headed. Um, but I don't know. I I do think we have a team that's that could win five games, which is gonna put us out of the running for Jesus Jr. down there in, in Clemson, and possibly, <laughs> and, and possibly uh, Justin Fields at Ohio State. So, but I, but again, I don't, I don't even know if they take a quarterback. If they were at the one pick, I think they would. You'd kind of be forced to if you got the one pick. But the Jets look terrible. The Falcons look terrible. Uh, we actually did. We put a decent. The Falcons are so bad. Oh, it the, makes them so happy. And the worst part about the Falcons is they were. Trying to compete, they paid their quarterback. They paid defenders. That they, they were there to compete, and they look absolutely terrible. Now the Jets, on the other hand, I mean, Darnold throwing two pick sixes. They look a complete mess. I think they're the number one overall team right now. And again, we're only three weeks into it, so a lot can change. But with it seems like the players are playing for Matt Rule more than those other two teams. So I can't. I can. I can see a couple more wins squeaked out, but. We were also – I don't know if you saw that last play, Alex, where yeah, – yeah, like if they make that, that hook and ladder pitch, we're 0-3. So there's still a lot of learning to be done. The defense is very young. I mean, we would, we would be completely talking about they would have went 99 yards in like a minute 30 yeah. to score a touchdown and win, and it could have been like real hanging low, like – questioning everything the defensive coordinator's done and everything. And it, I think that's always what's wild about football is it comes down to one play between one and two where people are like, oh, now we're looking good. We could go eight and eight. So if we went 0 and three, it'd be like fire everybody and let's hit the reset button all over again. So I feel like, I mean, I think, I think you would need at least three years for the coaching staff. They gave him a seven-year deal, so he's got to be here at least three years. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> which is what you need. I yeah. Mean, like, at least to get started off. Yeah. What we need is Wayne Jarrett back in the fold. <laughs> yeah. Duval, how are you feeling two days after the the game? Um, I, I mean, I I think 
I told you on Sunday, like I, I had the Chargers as one of the, the three or four games that we were going to win. One of those was also going to be the Open Raiders, and then I've got the Denver Broncos. Um, so those are the three games that I knew we were going to guarantee win. And then Washington was kind of a toss up, and then I think I had was it uh, I think it was the Colts or somebody else. I think it might be the Colts. I can't remember who we played, but it's one or two others that could be toss ups. But um, I mean, if if they're able to kind of rally and, and, and figure some things out, I mean, we could sit at four or five wins and you know be picking a left tackle at, at that pick eight or something like that. But um, I mean, overall, the game the other day, I, like I said, the only bright spots the other day that I saw was Brian Burns and Jeremy Chen, which have been pretty much the bright spots the past two weeks. Yeah. Um, but um, offensively, Teddy Bridgewater is what he is. We know what he's going to do. Um, he's going to throw for 200 yards, maybe a touchdown, you know, <laughs> down to go Teddy. Yeah. Um, Mike, Mike Davis was able to be serviceable the other day. I mean, I'm glad he was able to do some damage. Yeah. Um, like ninety one you know, right? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. So okay. I mean, it was it was okay. Um like I, I, I don't see us winning this upcoming week. Um and I, I think we're gonna go on another run of, of, of taking a few losses. So we might be one and seven, one and eight when McCaffrey comes back. That's what I'm thinking. At at that point, I mean McCaffrey's gonna come back regardless, but you'd almost rather just go ahead and pack him in and not risk any other, you know, you'd hate for him to come back mid-season tear an ACL, and you're like, oh, that's cool, like, you know. But, yeah, no, it's, it, it, and that's kind of what we're at, Alex, is, like, you know, Bridgewater's never going to make a play that makes you go, wow. It's just right. more of like a, oh, okay, he made that simple throw. He's never going to take a gamble. You know, if you look at some of the people who are, like, breaking down clips of film on Twitter – you know, there were chances in the red zone he could zip a ball in there, but he doesn't have that zip that we saw with Cam for, for seven, eight years that we've seen with Jake DeLone when he would take some risks and just throw it to Steve Smith. He's going to take the wide open. Yeah, yeah he's going to take the wide open guy, and if it's not if it's not the wide open guy, it's the check down guy. So, you know, it, it we'll see what happens, and we'll just enjoy it. Was, to me, it was just a very a boring game. Even though we won, there wasn't a lot of excitement. There were a couple strip, you know, a couple fumbles here and there, but nothing that made you just go, you know. I mean, I mean, the thing maybe the most exciting play would have been Joey Sly like jacking that one guy up. The Dante Jackson pick was good because you get, you know, when you see fast people run, it's always fun. Um, and then the last play where they almost hit a hook and ladder to beat us, which would have been a fantastic reaction of our part because we'd have been in total misery. But you know. <laughs> So, yeah, you got to find somebody with that Sunday ticket, man. I do need to find somebody with a Sunday ticket. Can we talk about how happy I am for Cam? Yeah, go yes. for it. Dude, I mean, like, I don't know if it was the right time to let him go. I don't know if we should have let him go. But I'm just glad he's having success somewhere. Yeah. And he's like, everybody's recognizing his work ethic. Because that dude was mm-hmm. good for us for a long time, you know? Yeah. I just you guys might have already talked about on. that, but I just had to, like, say that. No, we actually haven't. We haven't really talked too much about it. Uh, we talked the first the week before and the week after week one, and then last week we kind of had somebody who wasn't about sports, so we kind of dodged around it a little bit. But um, no, I mean Duvall went out and got a Cam Patriots jersey, you know. Before, yeah, he, you know he 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 wore it in one of our Birio Cart videos and actually won the race. 
spoiler alert, if you haven't watched that one out there, in the Cam jersey and did a little Superman pose with it. So, no, it is it is it is good to see that. You know, I, I'm I've tried to move on, Alex. If you like from the well, if Cam was here, we'd be three. You know, I, I try not to do that anymore because I just don't want to yeah. drive myself insane. I just gotta. I'm tr- no, it's not healthy at all. I just gotta accept what the team is. Be glad that it is. It was good to kind of sit down though with the Panthers playing at four o'clock Eastern last week and, and be able to watch the Raiders Patriots game and see actually Cam play football again because it's been so long. It's been almost two years since as Panther fans we got to see Cam fully healthy and do the things we know he could do, and so that was really cool. And yeah, I mean, you know, I, if he goes out and wins a Super Bowl. That's great for him. Like I said, I'd love for him to pad his stats so he could get into the Hall of Fame and be a first ballot guy. But if he goes and wins the Super Bowl and gets Matt and Marty Herney fired, then I'm I'm all for that as well. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe Marty Herney came back. That's Man, it's he's his total record's like one one oh seven and two fifty or something like that, and he's still got a job. He still has a job. It doesn't make any sense to me. That's the one thing that's holding us back, man. He has a good track record in the first round, but after that, his oh. draft picks pretty much, you know. Draft picks and free agent oh, cool. signings just haven't turned out as well. I mean, the, the Matt Khalil one was just his – no, that was that was Gettleman. Excuse me on that. But it's just, you know, and not re-signing Moten right now, who's going to be a free agent. You know, you can debate if you like Curtis Samuel or not, but he's a speed guy who, you know, he has his flashes. He but it just – yeah, it just, it just seems like – you know, some people want to say, why didn't he re-sign Bradbury before last season? You could get him at kind of a discount before he had a, a pretty above-average season, and now he's he's balling pretty well up for the Giants. So there's a lot of things that, you know, I think that would have made me feel a lot better when they gutted everybody if they would have just went ahead and gutted Herney out of here instead of keeping him around with, you know, this whole new – it's like, hey, here's my brand-new house, but at my, my front door I'm not going to paint it. It's just, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm just going to have my front door, like, faded. And, like, that's just kind of what I, I see us with Marty Herney, man. So. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. a great analogy. Yeah. That's a great analogy. Hold on to that one. Should you pick that up? <laughs> yeah. Well, that was what Alex, back in those days of uh, the Titan TV when we were on in high school, we had that little list of how to pitch – to each other for different news stories. You know, like if, if there was a little yeah. – I heard a little birdie say that Alex has got something for me over there. We always wrote those down and typed them up, and, and that was always yeah. a good little time. Yeah, and then we had our hour special uh, in the afternoon where we would just call highlight videos we found on YouTube. <laughs> yes, yes, we did do that as well. I think I still have the, uh, the tape somewhere around here in my basement that – you know, but again, i got to find a VCR, whoever has those anymore, so – yeah. All right. Well, it's that time. I'm gonna ask you, Alex Jeeves. Are you good? Am I what? I'm, I'm, I'm like, look, Jeeves. I was gonna ask you for the for the question, but Jeeves likes to hit us with a little music real quick. Oh, Jeeves. Yeah. yeah. Hit us with music, Jeeves. All right. It's the Warehouse Distillery. There it is. Ron of the Bridge, Escape One Nine Notebook. Alex, you've already uh, picked a, a question. What, 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 Duval, can you hear us? Where'd you go? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Fix my drink. My okay, that's all good. Alex, if you have your question, go ahead and uh, you can read it, or are you still picking one? Well, I thought I had mine, but uh, I just saw one that I really liked. Hold on. 
Well, while you're looking, I'll do a quick rundown of our NFL Pick'em Top 10. All favorites still in first. Paris in second. Stevie C's in third. Jesse's fourth. Lur's fifth. Eddie Hutto sixth. Uh, Nick Chapman seventh. Cosby's eighth. Corey Frost is ninth. And Cameron Terry's tenth. Jeebs, I think I'm 11th. 11th or 13th or something. I'm still hanging in the 20s. Um, and I can't remember what Duvall is. So I think Duvall is 15. I'm 22nd. You're 22nd. Okay. But again, it's with two drops, lowest scores. I really don't think at, until week five or six is when it's going to start adding up and, and separating because then it's going to get those really bad ones that are going to have to start being added up into your, you know. Your, your total points. All right, so you got a question? Me? Yeah. Uh, I think the question was, would you rather poop your pants or throw up in front of people? Oh, God. But I'm assuming pooping your pants is not public. <laughs> well, I mean, I think either one. Oh, I think it's, oh, it's combined. It's which one would you rather do in public? Yeah. I mean, I, I would. I mean, I, I gotta go with throw up because obviously, hopefully, it's not on somebody. Because I feel like if you poop your pants in public, like unless you're next to like a Walmart or a store that sells drawers and pants, drawers. Yeah, like I, I, you know, like you're just gonna have to like poop in your pants without a diet. Like, yeah, you're gonna have to go home, and then on top of that, like. You gotta just sit in that the whole way. If I throw up, I at least hopefully I can aim that better and maybe go get to a trash can and yeah. or get to a sidewalk or whatever. So I, I'm gonna go. I'd rather if I'm gonna throw. I mean, I've thrown up in front of people, like you said. We all partied early in college pretty hard, so yeah. Yeah. I'm, oh, I, I do I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go with throw up as well in front of people. Huh. Um, <laughs> I have no shame of throwing up in front of people. <laughs> I, I haven't done it lately, but lately. I've done it plenty of times to where if you know how I party, I can, it just it just happens. What yeah. constitutes lately? The last 48 hours? No. <laughs> I, well. The last, <laughs> no, the last, I know the last time he threw up, it I, was. I take that back. I threw up, I threw up when I got to Jake's house on his birthday. Yep. Nice. That was, a, that was only in front of like, like three or four people. We'd already seen you all, we'd all seen you throw up. We, we, we actually, Jeeves just throwed up so much, we call him hands on your knees doing the Jeeves. Because yeah. he always, we'd just be driving somewhere and he'd just have like, get out, get out, get out, and hit the jump out of the car, hands on his knees, and just be barfing in like the side bushes in front of a, a Harris Teeter or something. So, damn Jeeves. Yeah. Yeah. He's thrown up in my wife's car, Nate's car. I mean, he, he's everywhere kind of throw up guy. Cafeterias, restaurants. Oh, Nate. Yeah, he threw, yeah, that's actually a, a fantastic story. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, I, I'm definitely, uh, Throwing up because imagine like you're out to eat or something and, yeah. and like you 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 get the runs <laughs> and you're sitting there on a date or you're in a club or something like that or a bar or brewery and you're just like oh, man, I, I can't <laughs> go anywhere <laughs> so then it's like okay well let me go and like imagine trying to go to the bathroom and then you're like okay well I'm gonna just free ball it you still gotta ask for shit so it's like yeah. <laughs> so let me just no, I'm a, I, listen I'm gonna just up the corner I'm good I'll do that. <laughs> 
Yeah. So did you say you saw another one you wanted? Oh, well, I think, uh, I want to know when, uh, when people found out Santa wasn't real. Oh, that was, that's easy. So I have a sister that's seven years younger than me. And it was, I remember, you know, we were going Christmas shopping, you know, we were house, me, my brother, my sister, three of us. And seeing my mom getting like at Kohl's a Teletubbies like uh, towel for my sister because I was like 13 and she was like four or whatever it is. And then I remember Christmas morning seeing that like in the Santa pile and I was kind of like, yo, what is, and it kind of clicked and my mom, I remember my mom like turning to me and being like, you know, giving me like the kill sign, like, no, 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 don't say anything. So that's when I, and I, I had inklings before that of like, you know, there's always that asshole kid at school who's like on the bus when you're like eight and it's like, yeah. say, you should let you know Santa's not real. And you're like, what, what do you mean? And da, 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 da. But that was my confirmation to the, you know, my evidence that was like, okay, now I know it's coming out of mom and dad's pocket. Why was it always like the biggest asshole kid that knew that? <laughs> oh, I mean, it was always like the worst kid on the face of the planet that knew that information the first. Yeah. And, uh, I think yeah. my first inclination of it was uh, when my cousin was born. Because so my brother's three years older than me, and I'm four years older than my oldest cousin. So. My cousins would always come up to my grandparents' house, and like Jacob would, like Jacob said, they would go shopping or whatever, and like he would help the help my aunt and uncle bring in the presents or whatever unwrapped. And I remember seeing one of his in, in the Santa pile. I'm like, wait a minute, you guys brought? I just helped you bring that in the night before because they wrapped it after everybody left. It's like, wait a minute, you brought it in, then? so yeah. But I had, to, I had to keep my mouth shut just because, like Jacob said, <laughs> they're, young, they're younger than me. So I was like, oh, you yeah, you don't want to lose your presence, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, I noticed when I looked at the gifts that said to me from a mom, and it was to me from Santa, and it was the same person. <laughs> hand, right? I was like, hold on, hold on. Like, the other way, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. And then it was just like, okay, to, to me from dad, and then to me from Santa, and it's my dad's hand, right? I'm like, I'm like, hold on, dog. Like, how, how, old, how old do you think you were, Duval? Man, to be honest with you, man, I probably was like maybe nine or ten. Because that was when, like, I started seeing my parents start signing permission slips. Yeah. Start seeing their, their signatures yeah. a lot. Yeah. And, you know, as a young kid, I didn't really see their signatures and I didn't pay any attention. But then as I really started seeing it and I started writing the cursive, then I started noticing. I was like, oh, man, why is this? Yeah. So that's how I found out. Bringing up cursive reminds me, since Alex is out of the Statue of Limitations now, he used to be excellent at the old quick forging a parent's signature on those, like, <laughs> progress reports or, like, you know, whatever those ones. Like, if you forgot you had to get your progress report or whatever signed in high school, I remember Alex was killer with the cursive, and he would just, like, all right, let me study it for, like, you know, 30 seconds and get it down, and he'd get it to you or whatever it was. So, yeah. <laughs> I do remember that back in the day. Oh, man, I was a shit. Yeah. <laughs> 
much write your parents' handwriting down, Chris? Because I know, like, I write everything, oh, I write just like my dad. My signature so, like, looks like my mom, so yeah. yeah. So my signature looks like my dad. I can't get my mom's down. I could, I, I can get, like, my mom's W's down, because her name's Wendy, mm-hmm. but I couldn't get the rest, I couldn't do the rest of it, because I've stopped, I've kind of made... I mean, I'm not writing in cursive unless it's like signing a document for the doctor or like going to get my, you know, tires changed, oil changed or whatever. And you just sign the, the form. But I have my own style in that. But I'm not using cursive enough or I'm not, I'm not practicing anymore. Back in high school, maybe. But I'm, I'm not. So yeah. I don't know. Alex, you, Alex, you're signing scripts. So I don't know. Can you you get that thing going? No. Sign them, dude. I just write them on his technical computer. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> he scribes. <laughs> when did you? Okay, so what's your Santa story? I presented my parents with like my mom with like a full argument in the car while my like little brothers were in the back seat, and I was like, "Look, <clears throat> I was like, the handwriting matches the boxes that you and Santa both have." I was like, "I saw you buying that gift for me." And I was like, the second thing is, uh, I stayed up all night, and I witnessed you putting Christmas gifts under the tree. And I was like, so I don't believe Santa's real. And my mom was just like, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, got it. And then, <laughs> got it, yes. <laughs> Nailed it. Told you. <laughs> okay. That's how I, I remember it distinctly that moment. Uh, I don't remember. Now, to stem off that, has anybody ever... Like when you were a kid, go and search for your presents beforehand and found them. Because I remember the one time I searched and I found them, and then to me, it like took away the like magic and, and joy almost as a kid at Christmas, not knowing what you were going to get. Because I remember finding it all and then just being like, then there was no surprise for me on Christmas Day and just being like, damn, that was stupid. I'm never going to go searching again because that kind of just ruined the day for me. Yeah. Yeah. I went, I went, so I went searching, but I never, I never found them. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, tip, that's typical for Jeeves fashion. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I, I never, I never found them. Under the bed, trunk of the car, you know. Yeah. Closets, garage doors. You got the keys. You got the keys. Come on, these, these are basic Jeeves. Now, Alex, you had, you had, you had quite a big house though to try to search. Did you ever find? Yeah, I found. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just stuff them under there. Yeah. All right. Well, any uh, any final thoughts, Alex? You'd like to say out before we send it off? Thank you guys for having me. This has been awesome to reconnect with y'all. I love what y'all are doing. Keep up the good work. Uh, and you need to be Yeah. Hey, and like I said earlier, if you're ever feeling frisky, go buy you a t-shirt. We're out there in Chicago, man. You know, stand on top of... I'm trying to pull out my, my Panthers jersey collection. I'm going to start... If you guys ever have me back, I'll hang it up on the wall behind me. Absolutely. Now, do you remember a jersey... Here's a here's your trivia. Do you remember a jersey that you gave to me back in high school? Uh, yes. Steelers jersey, right? Yep. Antoine Randall L. Yep. Oh, shit. I don't know, because did you have that as just a... I fucking love Antoine Randall L, because he 
played wide receiver and quarterback and like turned punts and he was like an all-around athlete. And uh, I don't remember how I got it. I think I think my dad got it for me. It was, it was like the only jersey I had. <laughs> uh, and it was way before. It was like the Antoine Randall was like the first football player I liked. Yeah. It's so random. Uh, and yeah, so then I had that and. Uh, I'm glad you got it. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know why you gave it to me. I don't like. I don't know if it was just one of those years the Panthers stunk, and I was just you were just like, hey, I got this jersey and I wore it for something. I have no idea, but yeah, it's still. Don't worry, it's still in my closet. If you do look at whenever the Panthers play the Steelers next, it will be hanging up behind us for our reaction video because that's what. That's what we've been doing now is I've actually gone and I try to find, like, jerseys. I want to have at least one jersey of every team because then even when we did, like, our – we'll do a watch party for the Super Bowl if the Panthers aren't in it or if they are. And we had, like, a Niners. And this past year I just did, like, a Chiefs logo slash, like, I pinned it up on a, on a shirt, but I did go buy Jamal Charles, like, uh, cheap jersey for, uh, for, like, 10 bucks to hang up there too. So when the, when the Panthers get, de- like, demolished by the Chiefs in, like, four weeks – It'll be a Jamal Charles hanging behind us, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so. All right, well, Duvall, Jeeves, any final words, final thoughts? Nope, thanks again. You know, always a pleasure. Enjoy it as always. Good seeing you guys, man. Yeah. No, it'll be in there. That's a nice little interesting little tidbit. We'll have you back. We'll have you back to chop it up something else. But stay stay tuned afterwards just so I can get a quick picture to post on the socials. But uh yeah, okay. Jeeves, uh, how do we how do we end the pod? Hey, sh-